Hey friends, don't adjust your dials. Your podcast settings are correct. You are in fact listening to an advice not given podcast, but we are calling this the teacher's lounge. You may or may not know that we have a Patreon community of subscribers and patrons and supporters of the podcast, and we offer up special bonus behind the scenes content to those folks over on our Patreon channel. So please check that out at patreon.com slash gurus if you are interested in more content just like this. But today as our first episode, we wanted to give our entire audience a quick little preview of what to expect over in Patreon. So this is our new podcast called the teacher's lounge. We're going to have insights, wisdom, encouragement, support from our very own education guru, Claire Wood. Okay, so that's enough for me. Now let's hear from Claire. Welcome to the teacher's lounge. You might be asking, why are you calling this Patreon bonus content the teacher's lounge? Well, as a student of the late 1980s and early 1990s, I remember frequently walking past the school teacher's lounge wondering, why is this teacher's lounge filled with the haze and an overwhelming smell of cigarette smoke? Why would teachers need a smoke break? I realize now that those teachers were probably stressed, overwhelmed, and just needed a moment to take some big, deep breaths or puffs. I went on to become a professional teacher myself, and although smoking indoors was thankfully no longer legal, I quickly realized that the teacher's lounge was indeed a place to escape from students for a breather. It was also a place of great encouragement, mentorship, good ideas, and camaraderie between seasoned teachers and newbies like me. I remember many of those early days as a high school English teacher where I didn't think I could go on any longer. Those veteran teachers sent me out of that teacher's lounge with just enough wind in my sails to keep working and providing a great experience for my students, and I live to see another day. The hope for this Teacher's Lounge with Millspo Gurus is that this provides a space and a place for you to take a healthier and safer version of a smoke break and glean some inspiration in your own journey as you help facilitate a new reality of school with your kids in 2020. Whether you are traditionally homeschooling for the first time, virtual schooling part-time or full-time in partnership with your kid's school, or maybe like me, you're sending your kids off to in-person school, I know we could all use a little help from our friends. So crack open a cold sparkling water, reheat your coffee again, or go for something stronger if you must, and join us for some educational enlightenment. All right, teacher mamas, let's go. Let's do this. We're here on this very first episode, and I just want to start by giving you three really simple, actionable tips tidbits of advice that you can implement into your weekly rhythm right now that should not only help you to function better as the facilitator of this endeavor that you're undertaking this year, but also fill up your kids and get them um, get them situated in a good place for a successful year of learning. Um, I want to preface this by saying, hopefully this advice will be something that's applicable whether you're like me and you're sending your kids off to in-person school and maybe that's new for you or maybe it's the thing you've always done, but this year looks differently because you're having to be a little more in tune with that partnership between the schools and the teachers and the administrators and kind of planning for the eventual virtual situation. Or maybe you're going virtual and you started off um, this whole school year with everything remote and online. And again, you're having to kind of serve as the middleman or the middle manager of that. 
Maybe you're homeschooling for the first time. No matter what situation you find yourself in, for nearly everyone, it's something new and it's uncharted territory. So I am hopeful that my tips and my advice will be things that can plug and play into your situation no matter where you find yourself. All right, tip number one, and this is something I've been preaching to myself all week long, expect this to go well. I'll repeat it. Expect this to go well. When my kids first started back this week, the first several days, I literally had my phone in my hand. I was waiting for a phone call from the school, waiting to hear that something terrible had happened, worrying myself sick that my kids maybe were starving and they were having to have a late lunch or they had to desperately go to the restroom and they weren't getting a break from from uh, class to get to do that or get to take their mask off. And I found myself spiraling mentally into this place where Um, I was just not in a good headspace. Like I was not being very productive with my day and with my time because I had had this negative mindset. And so I have had to switch that up and instead change that script from one of worry and negativity and fear to one of optimism and positivity. And every time I catch myself feeling, you know, my mind or my thoughts slide back into that place, I stop. I redirect my thoughts, I switch my thoughts, and sometimes audibly say to myself, expect this to go well. Expect this to be a great day. Expect for there to be no problems. And I think for those of you who find yourself in any version of dealing with the the added pressures of what school looks like for your kids this year, I think it's very important that you start off by acknowledging the fact that maybe you haven't been in a great headspace about this whole situation. You may be implementing and facilitating something that you don't even feel like you had a lot of say-so in or you're feeling forced into the decision. And to that, I would say it all begins and ends with mindset. So if that's you too, I challenge you and encourage you to change your vocabulary. And as you wake up each day and as you go about your day, even if you are feeling in your gut or in your heart or in your head, this uh, weight of what you're having to do, I challenge you to change the script, change the dialogue, change the narrative and tell yourself, I am expecting this to go well. All right. The second tip. And again, I can tell you for me, this is something that's continuing to be a work in progress, but I challenge you to fill the tanks, fill the tanks. And I'm talking about you filling your own tank. I'm talking about you filling up your kids' tanks. And let me explain that in a little bit better detail. Let's start with ourselves, okay? We've all heard the phrase, you can't pour from an empty cup. We have seen the analogy time and time again of the airline passenger and the safety briefing where you know you have to put on your own oxygen before you're able to even help someone else. This advice kind of falls into that same category. You need to do what you need to do, mom, facilitator, person who's in charge of all of this, to get your own tank full first thing each day. And that can look very differently depending on the season of life you're in. Maybe that's sleeping in a little bit longer and taking the pressure off to like get up and get ready and Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you need to get up a little earlier. Maybe you feel better and more refreshed and in a better state of mind if you've showered or dried and washed your hair. Um, Maybe it's not having that second cup of coffee because you know you get jittery and kind of angsty and frustrated easily if you've had too much caffeine. So now that your tank is full and you are in a good place to do the things that have been asked of you and the tasks that you have before you, The second and other piece of this is to make sure you're filling your kids' tanks. And I know some of you may be thinking, Claire, 
I, what else can I do? I'm already, I have nothing left. I'm already doing everything I can to make sure this is a success. I would just ask you to think, rethink that approach instead of focusing on all of the tasks that you have to do. And I know they're there and I know they're important. First, think about what might you do in terms of like working smarter and not harder and checking in with your kids, with their hearts, with their behavior and getting their little love tanks full before the day begins. Now, again, for me, I'm sending my kids off to school. So that's going to look like me being kind in the morning, even when people aren't being kind back to me. That's looking like me saying, hey, is there anything I can help you with to get your lunch ready? Or um, can I, you know, can I do something to help you this morning? That's how I help fill their tanks. I also try to give everybody a hug and tell them I love them before they step foot out the door. Um, but for those of you who may be home with your kids all day and you're trying to manage your own remote work or your own part-time or full-time job with their schooling, instead of starting the day feeling frazzled and like everybody's at each other's throats, think of one thing for each of your children that you can identify that if you did it, you know it would set them up and set you up with them for a successful relational day. Maybe you have young kids, especially taught those of you with toddlers or um, even maybe babies. Like what can you do with them first thing so that their love tanks are topped off and then you can go about helping your older kids with their work or you can log into your own Zoom meeting for um, work and you're not then interrupted 10 times because your kid's needing 10 things from you. Um, and instead, if you had just maybe started the day by sitting down and reading a chapter of a book with them or, hey, let's take our breakfast out on the porch together. Like really think of a way that you can intentionally build in time according to what their needs are, ages, stages, personality, um, and figure out what that thing is and just do it first and see if your day doesn't improve once you have done that. I have found over the years, especially in our homeschooling years, if I could start the day on the right foot with my kids, if we could start our morning of learning with something fun or lighthearted where I had a chance to like look into their eyes and give them my own positive like facial cues of smiling and soft eyes Um it set the stage for them to be ready to learn instead of all of us in a bad mood. So that's my second piece of advice. Fill the tanks. All right. So we've covered our first two. The first one, you're going to start expecting this thing to go well. The second one, you're going to fill the tanks, yours and your kids. And then lastly, this is maybe one of my favorite hacks of all time. I do this even if it's not a school year. I do this in the summers. I've done it since my kids were little. I continue to do it now that they're teenagers. And I call this setting a quiet hour, setting a quiet hour. Now, this doesn't have to be a full 60 minutes of time equaling an hour. But the idea here is to find a predictable reoccurring time each day that everybody and everything inside the house powers down. OK, for us, that looks like putting our dogs in the kennels. That looks like powering down electronics um, for the kids, that's like TV is off, Xboxes are off when they were little, maybe like their little Nintendo Switches or DSs go off, tablets go off, and it gives them a time to reach into a different part of their brain and get creative and get quiet and get alone, okay? And I know not every kid's personality is geared toward that, but whether their personality is geared toward it or not, we all need it. We all need that recharge, especially mid-afternoon, kind of before the second half of the day begins and maybe the dinner preparations or the sports practices or lessons or 
spouse is coming home, it's just nice to hit that reset button. Now for you as the parent, maybe everybody else is powering down electronics, but that's going to become your time that you actually have some quiet focus time to check in on work emails or what you need to do on your computer. I get that. Make a phone call, like do what you need to do. You don't have to have the same rules as the kids. But what that looks like for the kids is you clearly explaining what this hour is for, giving your kids the idea that it's not really a choice. And if they don't wish to participate in the pre, uh, pre thought out activities that you have decided upon, then they will have a consequence. And that's important to set that established uh, discipline boundary, but it's also important that they know like, hey, I do have a choice. I can either do these things that are permissible on the quiet list, or I may lay in my bed, lie in my bed and rest. And that was always the, the ultimatum in our house. Like you don't have to do these things, but your only other choice is to stay in your bedroom rest on your bed. You can read, you can take a nap. And it never failed. Like somebody would be like, but I'm not tired. Right. They fall asleep within like 15 minutes when you force that quiet hour. Um, I would also recommend if you're implementing this with younger kids, um, I am a big uh, believer in making the vision plain for the people in my household. So if I expect only certain activities during the quiet hour, I need to make sure my kids understand what is it is and is not allowed before we even begin. And maybe if your kids are uh, old enough or their personalities are driven enough, help let them help you establish what those activities might be. When mine were in early elementary grades, we literally typed up a list of all the things that we were allowed to do during quiet time. You may work a puzzle. You may play with your Lego blocks. You may play with your little people, woodland creatures, whatever, color, draw. These are the list of approved activities If it is not on this list, you do not come and get me during the quiet hour to ask if you can do something else. I can extend the quiet hour even longer. So I know this sounds like really harsh, but you've got to be really strict on the front end with getting the expectations set and then everybody will follow suit. And I'll tell you, my kids came to crave this. Like there would be days that they would go ahead and say, mom, I'm done with my schoolwork. I think I'm going to go ahead and start my quiet hour. Um, And to this day, all of us will often retreat to our bedrooms um, at the end of the school day. Uh, just for some time to regroup. The other suggestion I always tell parents is, uh, especially for a younger child who doesn't really have a concept of time, what you don't want is for the quiet hour to start. And then every five minutes on the hour, the child is coming to you. Hey, mom, is this over yet? Hey, mom, how much longer? No, I would tell your children, stay in your room. I would invest in some little kitchen timers that have count the countdown feature, set the one hour timer, or the 40 minute timer, whatever. And then start it so they can see the time counting down. Um, I think it's good that you give your kids um, expectations on the front end. So enjoy that time. Um, I think it's, again, very crucial and important to making sure that your day goes well. Not only does it give them a time and you a time to recharge and refresh, but it's giving you a predictable amount of time every day that's recurring that you know I can set aside all my work email time for this time from two to three every afternoon, or I can make that the time that I'm going to respond to text messages or get on social media or do a couple of chores around the house. Although I would caution you as much as you can, let that be a rest time for you too. All right, friends, I hope this time in the teacher's lounge has been helpful for you. I hope that you are leaving with some encouragement to make your days good and enjoy this time in whatever way that may look, uh, facilitating home education or 
homeschooling or virtual schooling or helping to walk alongside your kids that are in person in school. Um, I hope this is going to be a great process and a great year for you all.